Welcome to episode 63 of the Becoming Human podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Alfred Murillo and Austin Daffron. Austin Daffron is fascinating. He's a jiu-jitsu athlete in his early 20s, and he's positioned himself to spend most of his time doing the things that he loves, rather than being caught up in a conventional career. From the outside, you could say that Austin was lucky. However, he is tenacious and very analytical, which lends itself to unique opportunities within any endeavor. I admire people, much like Austin, that I've met in the past, relentlessly pursue what excites them at all costs. I have yet to see that end as horrifically as sometimes we can imagine. I've known many people to work to build a comfortable life. And the fear of doing something that they perceived as risky, whether it is pursuing their athletic dreams, creative endeavors, or entrepreneurial ideas. Our imagination tends to run wild, fixating on anything that can go wrong, telling us that the world will fall apart if we fail. However, I've seen very interesting outcomes from pursuing excitement, even ones that were unexpected. Alfred Murillo has committed a great deal of himself to jiu-jitsu in the name of pursuing what excites him. He is voraciously integrating technique and is an assistant professor for kids jiu-jitsu at Livewire MMA. I've known Alfred for a while. He's my training partner, and it's interesting the way that, that he integrates and fixates on particular forms of technique. And you see it in parallels of, within any athletic sport or endeavor, period. Alfred and I had the opportunity to sit down with Austin and pick his brain on how he integrates technique, his approach to jiu-jitsu, athletics, and strategy in general. This was a really fun podcast, and if you'd like to follow follow Austin on Instagram, you can follow him at Duck Jiu-Jitsu. It'll be in the show notes, and also Alfred is at Bobajinski, which the link's in the show notes. <laughs> All right, without any further ado, Austin and Alfred. They don't care. They're not going to tap to a straight ankle lock versus... Because just, that just has to do with pain tolerance versus, like, if you get somebody in a heel hook or something, they have to tap if they want to save their knee. Yeah. I disagree on that. Um, if your uh, braking mechanics are correct on the yeah. straight ankle lock... Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I know some guys that can break my ankle. So, uh Well, maybe maybe not, but yeah. Yeah. I, I Also, uh, yeah, I saw... it. IBGF Worlds, a lot of guys getting tapped out. Not so many, but a decent amount to the straight ankle lock. On I saw a couple of them, yeah. Brown belt level, so. Yeah. If you do it correctly, it is uh, to the point of a break. It's, yeah. yeah. It's devil's in the details with it, with that one. I, yeah. I feel like it's harder to apply than uh, a lot of the toe holds or heel hooks. Like, if you can get down a solid straight ankle lock, yeah, uh, you could definitely get uh, the heel hook or the toe hold as far as like the the amount of detail that goes in your straight ankle locks yeah has to be precise i've been trying them for like eight months now and i mean that's not that very long but i've been trying them for eight months now and i'm just now in live grappling starting to actually catch them and getting uh, tapping people with them it's like i always get the position wrong or i always have my wrist twisted the wrong way plus i've learned from like three different people and everybody has different suggestions on it so just trying to find the one that works for me yeah, that's definitely one. Uh, I'd rather get good at the heel hook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because it's a, it's, a, it's a better break. It's an easier break. Uh, not to say like yeah. I, I know uh, Aaron Milam out of uh, 
Portland workshop. Yeah. The, uh, down there, he's fucking straight ankle lock, man. It yeah. feels like my ankle is gonna explode. <laughs> like I feel like my br bones gonna break. It's ridiculous, and like the the bones in the feet, like it is another level of pain. So. Definitely a couple guys. I also saw Oliver Taza at uh, IBJF World just slap on a str straight ankle lock. Uh, I think a second round, second or first round of the that IBJF tournament he won. So now for somebody at a lower level like white belt or blue belt, where you're competing in like novice beginner, or intermediate for nogi, would you still recommend learning? I mean, obviously you still want to learn all levels of submission. So when you get to that purple belt or that advanced stage, you can still hit those. But, uh, like, you know, for, for a lot of tournaments and stuff, heel hooks aren't even allowed. So it's like, is it so crucial to work on those when it comes to tournaments and stuff, if you're not even uh, able to apply them? So for the newer guys? Yeah, for the newer guys. No. Yeah, I would say um, definitely, you know, year into training, whatever it is, like, cover the fundamental base. Yeah. Um, you know, right around, like... Blue belt. I think the the earlier the better for like if understanding of the position. You have to understand like the leg entanglements. If yeah. you do, can't recognize the different leg entanglements, you have no business uh, applying the leg locks. Like you're you're not gonna. Yeah, it's funny. It'll be like more trick moves. We never really dove too much into them. We only worked on a couple knee bars and straight ankles and some toe holds here and there. But after that, the tournament that we had at Livewire, uh, that's when like. We have a guy, a purple belt Jack, who's who's been teaching now there, and he's been going over a lot of leg positionings and uh, exactly that. Because I was like, I don't even know when someone says Ashi, like Ashi Garama or Ashi Garama, whatever. Dude, it's like I was like, I have no idea what the hell that even means. It's like I heard like 411, Honey Hole, like all these different positions, and I was like, I have no idea what any of those are. So now we we dove so much into it, and now we're actually like in in grappling, we're applying those, but not not to full extent, just like catch and release style. So at least we know that they're there. Some some people apply them, but not really a whole lot. But yeah, because we're just like, I need to at least understand and know what's going on when someone's down there instead of tapping out of fear. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah 100%, man. Um, that's, that's, that's the starting uh, base from there, is uh, recognizing each position. Um, and then getting started with, uh, yeah, yeah. The heel exposure and stuff like that. You'll have a, a better understanding of the position. It's like, you know, working from side control, yeah. work from the mounted position, and, like, any, like, system of attack is going to get you a lot farther than, like, a singular move. Like, it's it's taught a lot, like, all right, we're in full guard. Yeah. We throw up our triangle, our umoplata, triangle umoplata, and our armbar. Like, yeah. that's kind of the system, and I think that's how everyone was taught in this general area. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it's like move by move base versus systemized attacks. Okay. Um, and I think nomenclature is a part of it. Like uh, if you're, let's say, you're a tenth planet guy, right? Yeah. And he's like, reverse spider web or web. That's a simple one. But <laughs> yeah. like or something like that. And you're like, I have no idea. Hell Mary or something ridiculous. Yeah. You're like, I have no idea what that means. And they're like, oh, in their system, this means. Flying triangle or something crazy. Like New so. York control to D-bag position. What? <laughs> I don't think D-bag is actually one, but it's something bag. Yeah, I think... Double-bagger or something like that. Yeah, double-bag. Double yeah, double-bag. Um, I think simplification. Like, that's always a big thing for me. Um, yeah, when you're, you're saying, you know, five different names for the same position. Yeah. I, I prefer inside triangle, but, like, yeah. like I understand... 
it has like five other names. Yeah. So, so if you're trying to do any research online, it's like, wait, is the 411 the same as the, the San, <laughs> Sankaku is the same as the, yeah. Just, uh, it's all frustrating. It can be frustrating. Yeah, and Ashigarami's a leg entanglement. So yeah. So it's mm-hmm. a system of leg entanglements. So he's trying to simplify it. I think it's the best way to go. Yeah. And, uh... Having names that make sense. That, yeah. That also helps. I took two years of Japanese and I still get lost, like in <laughs> high school. So, yeah, yeah. Gotta get that inside Senkaku down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Inside Senkaku. <laughs> when you go to uh, learn any techniques, what what have you found that helps you most integrate those techniques? I think uh, so. Doing it in isolated state, like you learn a technique, mm-hmm. uh, it's important uh, to get the details down. So. Like generally, if like I can't really explain a technique, it's because I don't really know it. I'm not that good at that, not that efficient at that movement currently. So the first thing is always like being able to replicate the movement on like a non-resisting opponent, hmm. and then working it to a semi-live situational uh, where you have somewhat of a reaction. Hmm. Then after that, I mean, I'm at the point where I'll, I'll grab a, you know, I'll grab the blue belts and I can you know work the reactions because you're gonna find like once you hit this all right the guy's gonna go for the hand fight let's say we're on the back he's gonna grab with his primary hand and uh, address your grip right away and if you don't look to grip break that you're gonna have problems for your, your rear naked choke that's why teaching kids class is really fun for me it's because <laughs> like i can get people in certain things it's like all right we'll learn it in adult class and then i'll go to kids class and i'll try it on, I'll try it on the older kids and then it's like well, okay well that's how they're resisting so i'll just work on them Oh, that's really smart. Yeah, that's what I was saying today. I don't remember what technique it was. I was saying to Matt today about like, yeah, I've done it to like three or four different kids. Oh, the the cross wrist grip when you have their back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, I've hit it on like our our yellow belts. Teaching's been really helpful to uh, integrate uh, technique and flow. I've noticed having to like reiterate it and and, uh, tell it to children, for instance. You have to break it down and go over it in your mind as opposed to letting it kind of go in one ear and out the other. Yeah, 100% man. Do you do any writing based on your training or anything like that? Like writing notes? Uh, yeah. Writing of course, notes. yeah. That's a, that's a big part of it. Um, figuring out, like, you know, I'll do some things that, like, uh, I just hit during, like, a live roll. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I can't, like, it's cool to, like, do a fancy movement or whatever, but if I can't, like, explain it to someone step by step, I still don't really know the move. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be very hard to replicate. And you're going to run into the problem, like, sometimes I hit it, and sometimes I don't hit it. Well, why did we not hit it? Or why are we hitting this move? What reactions are, like, happening? Maybe you're going against, uh, you know, the whitest of white belts. He's going to have a different reaction than, uh, you know, the blue belts and the purple belts. and the, the Like, everyone's going to have a different reaction, different body types. Um, and it's, like, important to, like, know the difference between, like, competent grapplers. Like, that's a good grappling reaction versus, like, Man, some of the spazzy white belts give me like, like reactions I can't deal with. They're, they're just like, <laughs> like I was doing the gi yesterday, um, and this is white belt. He got a grip on me, right? He got a grip, really strong, big dude. Held on for dear life. Like the guy was about to have a heart attack uh, after he's had like a wrist to wrist grip. You know, he was wasting so much energy. It was like a <laughs> three minute round. I think it was a really short round. Uh, I don't usually roll for three minute sessions unless it's like situational work. If we're working for the the back or some like position, reverse del heva, something I'm trying to develop mm-hmm. um, is going to be generally in that kind of time frame. But uh, usually, like live rolling, I'm not rolling for three minutes. So you get the this dude is really strong. He's just 
able to get a grip really fast. I was unable to break it. He held on for like dear life. His head's about to explode. He's in like, and it's like, like understand, like I'm just uh, like, I'm kind of noodle arms there. I was, I was flowing a little bit on a competition, uh, you know, today. Mm -hmm. So, um, also, I suck at the geese, so there's that. Oh, yeah, really? I need to be uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, efficient with breaking, uh, breaking grips and stuff like that. Like, I know why I'm bad. It's because I don't understand the grips like I do in no-gi. Mm, that makes sense. And uh, how do you address that? Or or how have you addressed that in other areas in the past? How do I address sucking at the gi? No, sucking <laughs> at something else and having to learn how to get good at it in jiu-jitsu. Like, have you had an experience like that before? Yeah, I mean, everything, man. I still think I suck. Like, mm -hmm. today, I found, like, you know, three pretty big mistakes. Um, and then three transitions uh, could have went to. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a learning process. Like, uh, I was really, really, really bad at leg locking. Terrible. Terrible, man. Just, like, the most garbage you've ever seen. Like, I'd get squished. Like, I, I, I knew, like, standard Ashi position. And I thought you always want to be on that hip side, and I would kick it out to double outside, mm -hmm. and then every dude in the gym would like crush me and sprawl out and hold me there, and I'm trying to like go for his leg, and his leg weighs like 10,000 pounds. He's like a really heavy hipping down, and I'm like, oh, I think I can do it. I really want it, but no, no, it's not happening. <laughs> so it's like learning from that. It's mm -hmm. like if you, you know, you keep making the same mistakes. Like a lot of people are gonna go like. Oh, you win or you learn. No. I see a lot of people make the same, like, including myself. Mm -hmm. Like, it's uh, it's not common that I'll make the same mistake twice. Let's say we're in the gym. Uh, I see people um, constantly making the same mistakes during the training session. Like, if it's not addressed, it's going to, like, keep happening, like, Groundhog mm -hmm. Day. Mm -hmm. So, as a more experienced grappler, do you tell them when they're doing that? Or is it kind of like, I've told you once, I'm not going to repeat myself over and over again if you're going to keep making the same mistake? Or... I mean... Like, from what perspective? Like, right now, I'm a competitor. I'm fairly selfish with my training. Yeah, which is fair. But, I mean, like, I, you teach, what, like, two classes a week or something? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, so if you're teaching, obviously, you're going to let them know when they make that same mistake over and over again. Let them know. Or would you let them know? Or if you're also, like, or if you're just in class as another student, too, do you still stop and let them know if you see them make the same mistake? Yeah, um, especially if I'm teaching, like, uh... That's uh, part of the responsibility. Be like, yeah. hey, you're fucking up on this. Uh, you're not clearing your knee line. You're not hiding your heel. This is why I keep catching you. Um, at the same time, like definitely my more intense training sessions, like a lot of people, I feel like, I don't know, you get those people that they, like, they'll, they'll be like, hey, you, you choked me out like this to make it like less competitive. Or, like, like, when I'm in a competitive training se uh, session, I'm not stopping to tell them, like, all right, this is how I'm getting your leg. Right. Or this is, like, my finishing grips on the back. Like, that is not my obligation. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Totally. Yeah, it does. But with, with training partners, uh, especially ones that offer um, me a lot of their time, definitely over time, like, after the training session, I'll be like, hey... Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll help them out because the better they get, the better I get. Like, I, I don't ever, like, hide anything. If, like, a training partner has a question, I'll always answer it. But, yeah. like, answering it during like, the training away. session, <laughs> like, that's not very productive. I got you. Um, the harder rounds. Definitely the harder rounds, harder training. So there's a time and a place for it. Um, and it's not always, like, during the round, not always the best time when I'm actually training. Because hmm. that takes away from, like, the competitive rounds. But yeah, 100% when I'm teaching, it's, uh, I do my best. Okay. 
Oh, right on, yeah, because that's something I notice I'll, like, I'll do sometimes, too. But I, I don't know if I've ever had competition rounds, necessarily, other than when Matt will call us out and be like, Will, I'll go mm -hmm. grapple in front of everybody Yeah, as hard as you can. But, like, yeah. What systems do you use to try to avoid making the same mistakes as often? Uh, taking notes during a training session, I think, is important. It's just reflecting on your work. So uh, that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, notes, being aware, like it's yeah. If you keep getting armbarred, like why am I getting armbarred? Mm -hmm. um, if you're in north south and you're like, oh, I don't have an actual escape. <laughs> I post on the guy's hips and I try to invert and get my feet in, and it works sometimes against some body types. Like, is that a high percentage escape? Mm. Or maybe I'm in the mounted position, right? And they're like, we do fundamental Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and you get your overhook, you trap the foot, and you're like, oopa roll! But then you start rolling with some like black belts or, you know, higher belts, like brown belts, like competent grapplers. Um, and then you find out that might not be the highest percentage escape for the mount mm. against all body types. Yes, it is a let's say a fundamental like BJJ move, but when it comes to competition, how often do you see that? Yeah, I want to say very often. So, like figuring out stuff like that's really important, especially um, if you don't have systems for the very fundamental things. Like you're gonna constantly um, get caught in those. So how many like I'm assuming you train seven days a week, six seven days a week. How many hours do you put in like on that weekly basis? Are you training like twice a day? Are you doing two days every day? Like do you work? Like what do you what do you do with like with the normal week? I do nothing with my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I train uh, twice a day. Twice a day um, on the mat in the 20-ish hours, depending. Um, and uh, it's like a fine line between, uh, let's say, the, the physical work and, like, the mental work. So, like, there's definitely, it's, it's always, like, dependent. Like, uh, you know, I, I usually have two training sessions. Uh, if it's a very organized training session, I can get all the work I need to get done within an hour, hour and a half tops. If it's an unorganized training session, like I'll maybe I'll be on the mats for four hours or whatever, but it's like, did I actually like, like grapple for four hours? No, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it's probably going to be planning and stuff like that, which I also do at home. So yeah. like I I know what I'm working on and I know what I'm improving, um, and I have goals for um, let's say each competition on like uh, positions I'm developing or defenses in certain areas if I'm getting ready for a single match and I know this guy's really good at Hinduatine so so yeah that was gonna be my next thing speaking of Hinduatine it's like uh, how did that match come up with Justin and you for July 13th like how did that just come up were you like I want revenge so you messaged him or was it like this happened to come across him or something or did he call you out again or uh I was like I'll fuck you up Justin <laughs> I messaged him on Facebook <laughs> nah he's a cool dude um so Hunter Hunter uh over at Bellingham MMA is having a card uh, he wasn't like the I didn't actually ask for him but they 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 knew I lost against them, so that's definitely one I'd like back. Yeah. Um, I asked for a different grappler. Yeah. 
I, I didn't. He was injured, but he sounds like uh, he's interested. So that's uh, maybe in August. Something might happen there. Um, black belt EBI competitor. Oh, who? What, who? I can't say who right now. That's but, uh, He's a beast. He's a beast, and uh, being being a good match. Yeah, I was gonna say I've watched most of those. I probably wouldn't <laughs> recognize the name. I don't. I'm the uh, surface deep when it comes to those things. Sometimes I only know like the top like four competitors from each weight division. But yeah, um, that's cool though. Yeah, because I I was there for that match with uh, with Justin. I was just yeah, it was interesting. So is do you like is I don't know is he higher ranked or is it just that that game plan that like the rubber guard style techniques? I remember you saying you don't have a lot of people around you that play that a lot, so it's hard to prepare for something when you don't have consistent people pulling rubber guard on you all the time or something. Yeah, it wasn't even rubber guard. It's just the the way I usually address the rubber guard. Uh, for one, it was, it was it was two part. So uh, the first mistake was on the guard passing on the overhook and him getting to that particular position. Um, so mistakes were made there. Second was yeah the the rubber guard. Uh, I believe yeah he he had a rubber guard. He slapped it over on like a guillotine grip basically. Yeah. It needs to be addressed like a guillotine. And then he opened up space on the. Yeah, on his rubber guard, like he opened his guard basically, and I circled towards that side, and it was applied a lot tighter, and it was a blood choke. It wasn't like a trachea, right. most guillotines, uh, they come on, um, so it was just grip fighting initially. Yeah. Um, and avoiding the position also could have could have happened as well, so t two part on that, but uh I'm definitely working uh, my Hindu team defense, <laughs> and I won't be circling that side either. So that'll be, uh, yeah, that well, should be Well, it's helpful. really cool. I mean, I'll be there for sure. Pretty sure Will's going to be there. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fun to watch you guys run it back. Yeah, he was yeah. over, uh, he was over uh, at the tournament today. Oh, right on. Yeah. So, nice guy. Really cool guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hunter, Hunter just offered it to me, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't like I, I asked for him or yeah. any, anything like that. It was just he wanted me on his show. Turn at them a little bit here mm -hmm. and there, and uh, he knew I'd be interested in that, so I kind of turned that down. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. What, what actually got you into jujitsu? Just to get my ass beat in high school. No, wrestling, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wrestling, wrestling in high school. Yeah, a lot of people in Washington wrestle. I mean, I or people tell me that just across the country, a lot of people wrestle, but in Idaho, we didn't have any wrestlers. Um, the and did you enjoy wrestling for what it was, or do you find that you enjoyed jiu-jitsu more? Definitely. I mean, I, I think of grappling, like, mm -hmm. think of, like, one of, you know, the same thing. Like, wrestling takedowns are a part of jiu-jitsu, so I definitely don't think of them, like, separately. Mm -hmm. um, mm. But if we look at, like, like rule set folk-style wrestling versus, like, rule set, you know, Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, at the time, like I, I loved wrestling. Mm -hmm. So, at the time, I'd I'd say wrestling mm -hmm. with like no context of jujitsu. Um, right now, I definitely find uh, jujitsu grappling more fun because I can wrestle within jujitsu. It's not mm -hmm. like uh, I can only yeah, only do bottom butt scooting, or I can only do mm -hmm. uh, wrestling. So. It just reminds me of I, I I like judo, but I don't like the confines of the competition. 
Uh, yeah, the roll set, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Just throwing somebody on their back mm-hmm. and being done. Yeah, and, and hyper focusing on that, for instance. Were, were you as determined with wrestling as you are with jujitsu now? Yeah, I would say so. How old are you? I'm 22. Oh, okay. That's that. So I was curious about, like, well, how long ago did you graduate then? So yeah, four years. Okay. Why Why do you do jujitsu and stuff? Like, what What do you get out of it? Because I mean, r- running's a good example. There's people I talk to, like, it's a 80 year old lady. She runs 100 mile marathons, and I go, oh, that must be excruciating. But there's just something a little bit more to it. it you know, um, is it the same way with grappling for you? Like, you've committed a lot of your life to it. So what do I what do I get out of grappling? Mm-hmm. Um, I would just, you know, my my relative goal is to be the best competitor in the Northwest. I want to compete against uh, world class competition. Um, so it's like my dream to be like a professional athlete. I would say. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of the the vision. Um, I push my, you know, I, I like the lifestyle. It's awesome as far as eating healthy, getting good exercise. You know, that that kind of stuff is pretty cool. Uh, I like to push myself. It's a lot better than sitting at a desk. Mm-hmm. Um, See, that's the hardest know. thing is, it's like I love it too. It's like when I would have like Mondays off, I would do the two days and everything. And now it's like, uh, but you have to be tied to that like $500 a week that you have to bring in to survive or that however much money it is a week that you need to pay your rent and stuff like mm-hmm. that's the only thing that like keeps me from just like quitting and doing it it's just mm-hmm. you have to have that paycheck coming in constantly I, I just argue that's like a math problem and there's some creative solution you can find around that <laughs> jiu-jitsu classes <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> and, and that's why I ask because I've you know stumbled into doing these things in place of how I'd spend my life um, you know before and I do Know, other things and I'd rather do that most of the time and it's all I'm trying to do is figure out how to do those things as opposed to just working for work's sake right and not to um, uh, uh, be negative about people who, who do you know have like a job at like a refinery or something like that but just in my personal opinion like I, I used to think I was lazy because I didn't I would rather be anywhere but work and I would try to avoid it and I'd always do the least to get like just to get by but I figured out I wasn't lazy because I put in a lot of effort in the things that I actually enjoyed. And um, it was hard because in, in certain places, um, I didn't relate to people often because they're just like, oh, I can't wait till I become, you know, the, the sous chef or the head chef, or I can't wait till I start melting down the gold bars instead of doing the blanks. Like, that's going to be awesome. And I'm just like, it's tough. It's perspective. Yeah. Each individual person having that goal. Exactly, and trying to figure that out. It's like not understanding what people see and doing the same job for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, not even in well, just athletics as a whole or a creative endeavor. Uh, being an entrepreneur, I mean, there's these levels that are rewarding, not just for the sake of you know uh, getting by, right? There's something more to it that draws you to it. And um, for for you, that's competing, though, and and trying to push yourself to your limits and just kind of exist within that lifestyle. I I can really relate to that, I suppose. Yeah, that'd be that'd be my dream is to you know inspiring, you know, professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, currently like long term teaching, I think's a really good possibility, and I think that's something I can do for the rest of my life. That's the most sustainable source too, probably through jujitsu as well, is teaching. 
mean, you can compete, but I mean, I guess you can compete as old as you want, but to compete at the highest level and the most sustainable source of income that you still need to survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's yeah. What's your next big thing coming up? Like your personal next big tournament or something? If you can talk about it. Uh, I have a lot of shit coming up. I would say there's nothing like not on EBI anytime soon. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of local stuff. Yeah. So, local. I have a G-Sub coming up. This should be cool. Uh, after G-Sub, I have a, yeah, I have the thing in Bellingham, single, just a single match. Yeah. Um, the day after that, uh, the 155 tournament, I think winner takes like 200 bucks. Submission only. Uh, no heel hooks or any bicep slicers or yeah. like IBJF white belt rules or something like that so yeah um after that I'm down in uh Melford Oregon I think so single match and then uh 28th combat jiu-jitsu Auburn I think right and then I should be at the Nogi Summit in Portland they do an in-house tournament and uh, nothing else plans. Ethan uh, Krelliston, I think I'm saying his name wrong, but uh, <laughs> is uh, coming down uh, from Montreal the 19th and 20th, I believe, of August. Yeah. I'll be hosting him for a seminar. Ooh. Oh, wow. So, yeah, hit me up if you want to get on that. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, should be cool. He's an ADCC competitor. He won the trials. Probably like the best in the world currently oh. at 145. Like weighs 140 pounds. Arguably, like he's one of the best in the world. But yeah. he's, he's a stud. That's awesome. Hey. Are you uh, going at all to like the Nathan Orchard Phil Schwartz seminar at the end of July in Kent? Actually, I'm competing that day. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, yeah. After uh, G Sub. I'll be doing the Arlington submission challenge, probably. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Everything goes well. I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And do you do seminars uh, often when you get a chance? Uh, no, I currently do not. Um, yeah. Do you attend them yourself, though? Like, do you, if someone has a seminar in Seattle or Portland or something, would you go out of your way to go to it, or do you not put a lot of stake in that? Like a value, I suppose. Uh, it depends who it is. Mm. Yeah, I have I have done a lot of them, and mm -hmm. there's definitely some that are worth it, and then some are not worth it to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, depends. For somebody who's interested in in jujitsu or does jujitsu, um, is there a way to tell that without personally knowing that guy's history? Just doing research. Yeah, doing research. Like uh, definitely the guys like I study are the people who I probably want to go to their seminars. Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, Nathan Orchard, I've been to pretty much all the seminars in Seattle. This will be the first one I'll be unable to attend. Mm -hmm. right, yeah. I'll be competing. Uh, <laughs> I've only went to one seminar, and it was, yeah, the last time Nathan Orchard was up here. And I just, I had a problem retaining everything, because there's so much being taught within that three or four hour period. It's just, yeah, it was really, really hard. I, I retained a little bit of certain parts of it, but more, like, less... 
less of, less of a skill set, more of like the idea of jujitsu, like stepping only stepping with the foot that you want to go in that direction, or you know. So if you're going left, step with your left foot. If you're going backwards, step with whatever foot's already backwards, like stuff like that. That's my that's hardest. That's the hardest part. I've heard a lot of people talk about as well. It's just retaining like the four hours of knowledge that you're learning into. Yeah, information overload. Yeah, um, systemizing. I think things that you are learning versus like technique by technique it's more important to understand like conceptually like and then like the positions like general rules I feel like a lot of times it isn't like you'll get shown a position but you don't really get introduced the rules to the position yeah um, so I, I definitely like hold that higher value than being able to do like a really fancy Minari roll. Right. Minari rolls may look awesome, but uh, if like I don't understand the rules of half guard, how do you expect me to, uh, you know, apply effective submissions a majority of the time? Or how do you expect me like not to get my guard passed right away? Yeah. I'm sure like sometimes sometimes you won't get your guard passed, but. Uh, then there'll be those times where you have a competent grappler, and then it's like, all right, sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't happen. So, right. So it's important to like figure out like why is it happening. So in your gym, uh, at whatever gym you call home or the gyms that you can train in, do you have a lot of people who are more experienced than you, or are you one of like one of the top like most experienced people in your gym? Uh, so my home gym is Kindred Jiu Jitsu. Okay. Um, there are a ton of higher belts at the gym. Okay. Um, but it's always like important to recognize the difference between like your working class individual that, you know, trains three to six days a week and has a full time job versus like young, hungry, fucking killers like train, you know, multiple times a day and uh, you know, it's like it's their priority. Where yeah. like you know, I'm at a place right now at this point where, you know, I'm not paying rent. So that's the big thing. Yeah. I don't live with my parents, but I live someone, someone else's parents, basically. Yeah. You, you have um, it worked out. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. I just finished up school. So uh, today was actually my graduation. Oh, dude, congratulations. What? I know. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even walk for it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be figuring out, like, uh, definitely, like, being able to feed myself and, uh you know, being able to train as much as, the, you know. Or don't feed to. yourself and drop a weight class. Yeah, like sponsorships are always like a big thing. Um, happenstance, coffee, um, plugging them. But yeah, they help me out with a lot of my travel. Right do they approach you or do you approach them in that situation? Like as you said, as a young, hungry grappler, like you're making your name, but the name, like it's not huge, huge. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you, do, do they approach you? Do you approach them? Like, I'm, I'm always, I don't know, people always get like, nowadays Gordon Ryan can throw up a shout out on his Instagram story and be like, I'm looking for a sponsorship for a gi, and then he gets hit, hit up by hypnotic. Like, how does a local grappler go about doing something like that? They approach me. Oh, okay. So, I, not to say I haven't approached companies for sponsorships yeah. or gi companies or whatever, but yeah. a majority of the time, like, when I approach someone, it's like... Alright, I get like free shorts or free rash guard or something yeah, like that. Not your patch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, so they, they they approach me. 
and uh, yeah, been, uh, right on. it's been great and from there. Shout out to Happenstance. Yeah, Happenstance. Go check them out. There's a, so now that you graduated, are you gonna go into what, what did you? What was your major? Uh, exercise science. Exercise science. That's interesting. What, what do you? Uh, are you gonna use that in your jujitsu, or are you gonna explore that discipline elsewhere? Um, I generally use it in my jujitsu when teaching. Mm, okay. uh, human anatomy is like fairly important, I think. Uh, when you're breaking down, you know, moves or positions, having a good vocabulary. Uh, helps with the learning process versus like hell Mary <laughs> yeah, yeah some crazy something crazy it just doesn't make a doesn't make too much sense when uh your you know your nomenclature within the positions I feel like it becomes harder to like retention like you guys were saying mm-hmm. yeah if it doesn't make sense to you it's gonna like you don't have a point of contact so it's gonna be harder to retain yeah and every gym has their own lingo as well. I mean, I'm sure within certain like big gyms like Checkmat or something, they have the same lingo that they use everywhere, the same nomenclature. But like even today, we have a kid who's leaving kids class next week because he's moving, and it's the number one thing the coach says is just like, hey, if they say something different, don't correct them. Like that's what their way of saying it, and that's what you have to go by. It's like, but knowing all the actual right ways of saying everything would be the most helpful part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Have you had any like epiphanies from? going to school um, within jiu-jitsu, uh, I guess, technique or strategy? Like, stuff I use that I got from school. Mm-hmm. Uh, general vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Like, vocabulary, yeah. pronated, you know, having like a pronated grip, mm-hmm. supinated grip, uh, internal rotation, external rotation, general things like that to break down the body um, and like on your grips. Uh, I, I feel like when you have, uh, you know, higher level of vocabulary for that, they can be like, oh, what's that mean? They respect you more. Yeah. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, he said supinated and thoracic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Still not a science guy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And have you, has those classes changed your strength and conditioning routines or how you approach wellness or sustainability? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I definitely, like, that being said, I feel like, just like jiu-jitsu, like, a lot of times, the you're going to get, like, the general information, but, like, it's your responsibi- uh, responsibility to, like, go look things up and uh, do your own research. Um, but they provide you with the fundamentals of, you know, what everyone else was taught. Right. So it's your job to ask good questions and to do your research and figure out like what is the truth for me right all right yeah so uh, like as far as like nutrition and stuff like that a lot of people are like oh keto yeah oh paleo or <laughs> calories vegan. in calories out mm-hmm. yeah yeah calories in calories out and then the truth is everybody's gonna have like a diet unique to their body yeah. their demands like not everybody's gonna digest meat the same yeah i don't digest gluten or dairy that well when i do i get gas so <laughs> like like for like training sessions like i'm gonna generally stay away from that uh, i get inflammation on my joints 
uh, especially my knees, man. My knees are, yeah. If I'm not eating properly, uh, I, I have more inflammation. And like, definitely like noticing that within your body is like really important. Some people just ignore it and uh, yeah, it's like doing the same same mistakes over and over again. Like it's Groundhog Day and <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu. So you gotta reflect, I think, really be mindful. When have you ever had an injury that's kept you from um, training at your uh, normal capacity? All the fucking time. What is your response to that? Like, how do you approach it? Do you continue to train? Train through it. Don't be a weak. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, that's the hardest thing is to like stop. Mm -hmm. I've been dealing with like a little twist, like shoulder issue for a little bit, and it's just like ah, whatever. It sucks to not grapple. It's like not eating cake on your birthday. <laughs> yeah man uh, do the best with what you got like my knees are bothering me maybe I'm not going to be using as much butterfly guard or half butterfly guard and I'm wrestling more if I injure my arm maybe I tuck my you know under my shirt or I just keep my elbow in and I train with people where like they're not going to be able... No, they're not going to be able to put me no, in a bad position. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a choice. That's always, that's always my thing. It's just like, oh, my shoulder hurts. So it's like, okay, I'll go with people that I can trust who aren't going to go for that. No, I'm kidding. I train, yeah. I train with good people that, that could probably put me in a bad position, too. That Yeah, that yeah. I trust. And I also train with, you know, the whitest of white belts. And, you know, the blue belts. Like, generally, the majority of my training is done with, like, a tier down in skill. Where, like, for my developing, like, offense, it's great. Right. But, like, there's definitely certain training partners that, like, yeah, this guy, Morgan, he has an insane guard. I suck in guard. I'm really small. He'll slap on a triangle. If you slap me in a triangle, man, or you get my head, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, 140 pounds. Yeah. It's not a great place to be. So, like, he, he has a good skill set within, uh, he has a rubber guard, too. It's pretty sick. So when he slaps on a triangle, like, I'm in trouble. That being said, like, for working my defense, like, he's one of the best guys to go with because, like, I'm like, all right, I need triangle defense. Oh, Morgan has a great triangle. Yeah. So um, it's finding training partners and, like, noticing their skill set. So what are they good at? Um, if I know I could, like, leg lock the guy, like, ten times in five minutes, like, maybe I don't leg lock the guy and see if I can do, like, other stuff. To make it a more competitive uh, rounds. Um, if I'm against like a smaller person, like I'm gonna be playing from bottom. Okay. If I'm against a bigger person, you know I'm gonna probably be playing. Stay uh, away from them. No, I'm gonna play from bottom too. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'll play from top as well. But it depends. Uh, it depends on the size difference. Yeah. You know, 20, 30 pounds. Like wrestling with them, especially if they're not like a competent wrestler, that's fine. But yeah. when I'm wrestling people. So, yeah, if they're in, like, 200 plus, like, it becomes, even if, like, they're not very good, it's just, guy falls wrong or something, uh, like, I was loading a guy on my butterfly hooks, and my knee popped, um, getting ready, it was, like, the day before an event, too, yeah. um, it was the day before the event, and I still did the event, it was, it was a combat jiu-jitsu event, but I made a mistake, uh, I, I usually, when I have, like, pretty bad, uh, joint injuries, I either do PRP or prolotherapy to help with the inflammation. Um, so I ended up getting that done 
a little bit, I think it was on like a Monday, so mm -hmm. right, right after the event, and it like did not heal back for a week straight. Right. So I had to pull out of my other event, which was G sub X. Oh, um, yeah. Which was unfortunate, unfortunate. Um, fortunately, right after you guys had your tournament, yeah, and I was on the fence, like, uh, is, I it's think, a, is it drive for you guys? Like, yeah, the we're thing, so used to driving an hour to do anything that it's for us, like going down to Seattle next Friday is not anything. Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing was with the the inj uh, injury and the inflammation. Like I wasn't walking after I got my PRP done. Uh, yeah, I wasn't walking like 48 hours after. Um, it didn't have like full range of motion until like the next Wednesday. Oh, okay. It was still very inflamed on Monday. So I was like, it, it was it still had inflammation on, on Wednesday as well, mm -hmm. but it was like, I was like pretty sure, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get 250 bucks, so I had to weigh it out. Yeah. Like that. How did it feel? Did it feel powerful coming into the gym and tapping eight people? <laughs> it, it was nine. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the competition's everything, so yeah. uh, I can go, like certain, yeah, certain events, like I'm not, I'm training through it, like it's not... It's not like a gonna be a big deal. Uh, yeah. Like it's, I expect to win those events, um, and it's like the goal is not to be, you know, an amazing grappler in be Arlington. Yeah, Burlington. Burlington. It's to be able to like represent the area. How did it feel on grappling the in a scene? Yeah. How did it feel grappling in a boxing ring? Uh, it's, I think it's pretty common for the local shows. Really. Um, See, I've never saw, I never saw that anywhere else. So I, I, when I grappled in it, first thing I saw was the bar around the bottom, and the bars around the bottom, and I was like, crap, that's like a sub toe or a head hit waiting to happen. And then I went to go open my, my opponent, and his leg hooked on the rope and sat him back down, and I lost the match. And his coach commented and called him out on his own student out on Facebook the next day, and I was just like, dang it, if it wasn't in a boxing ring. I used to grappling against the cage, if anything, so. Yeah, use your surroundings wherever you can. So. Yeah. I think uh, for Lion and Shell. Uh, that was fun though, and he, I, my opponent was such a great guy. It's like, it was worth it, totally worth it. It's just that competition anxiety, trying to work out that. Yeah, I think I just grabbed the rope and hopped up. I was on like a leg ride, and my hip was a little bit low, so yeah. it's like, all right, we're not gonna break it close to the ring. Well, I'm gonna use the ring to my advantage. Yeah. Um, if we're in a cage or next to a wall, try and use your surroundings. Be yeah. aware. So. I mean, it's, it's whatever. So it's, you're getting trapped in the armbar and pushing him off the mat. Mm -hmm. It's not bad of an idea. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. On the streets, you know, probably don't <laughs> fly in guard pole to, to your head yeah, right. on the street, you know? That'd suck. That'd suck. So be aware. Be aware of your surroundings. Yes. Probably not going to even go on the ground. <laughs> Man, I was, had like a sub five mile, so <laughs> right to the crotch and I'm gone. Actually, what I was going to ask is... Uh, I don't. I saw. I was just like googling stuff, and I saw that you fought before too. Are you fighting still, or is combat jujitsu like as close as you're gonna go to that now? Um. So that's dependent on uh, my goals and grappling. Okay. So if I don't accomplish my goals in grappling, like I, I don't expect to transition to mixed martial arts. Okay. Um. But yeah, that's that's the plan. I would okay. like to uh, get to high level of grappling where I'm competing against some of the best guys out there. Right. Um, and then transition to mixed martial arts. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So, That's but cool. yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna, if I haven't like gotten one thing done, like 
like one of my friends yesterday was like, alright dude, I'm gonna do mixed martial arts. And I, I just like asked him like, why? Why, <laughs> why are you doing it? He was like, I don't know, it'd be fun. And then like that's not that's 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 not a good answer. Like like you if you're gonna do it, you better fucking go full out, man. That's yeah. brain damage. Yeah. Like don't half ass if you're half assing jujitsu, like you're gonna get fucked up in mixed martial arts. Like like if you you know, it's like how you do one thing is gonna be how you do everything. So if you're like half assing one thing, you're like, nah, I'm actually just gonna go uh transition to kickboxing right it's like well you sucked at wrestling so (laughs) you have no commitment uh like your worth ethic sucks so yeah it's just a waste of your time like how about you like you know follow through with the process that's a really good like thing to live by too if you half-ass one thing you're pretty much gonna half-ass everything yeah maybe definitely stuff I'm more passionate about. It's yeah. like, I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Math? Ha ha. <laughs> a calculator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I can ask Siri. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but if it's like, yeah, st- stuff like that, if it, you know, I, I just feel like you should follow through with your goals. And you should okay. hold yourself accountable to what, you know, you want to do. And if you're not, if you don't really have any goals, and don't, don't expect to be good at the other thing you want to do, right? Right. I feel like you should, uh, you know, you should really enjoy what you're doing. And right now, I'm really enjoying grappling. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see. Right. See where it goes. Mm-hmm. Is there, uh, was there anything, is there a moment where you didn't enjoy what you are doing and then you had a turn of events to where you started, you know, pursuing what you really wanted? Or have you always been on that path? No, no, no. Uh, I would say I had to make the decision um, as I was transitioning from high school to college Mm -hmm. of what I wanted to pursue in my athletics Um, I was on the fence about going to college and wrestling at Highline not a big university CC no (laughs) Um, or running in college which I had the opportunity to do at uh, some schools in Everett um, and that was the big one what, what, did I want to run in college um, and then the other option was jiu-jitsu where that wasn't that wasn't exactly that. Uh, it, was, it was like I, I was kind of I wasn't going to do wrestling um, or track I needed something else to do um, and it was more of a decision on my schooling hmm. So the the school didn't really fit me um, at Highline. I didn't I didn't really like it when I went there. I didn't like the program um, when I checked it out. Not that there's anything wrong with Highline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah I made the decision that I wasn't as passionate about running mm. as I was about wrestling. Um, yeah, I ended up going to uh, Lake Washington Tech, so they didn't have either. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> had to find something. Yeah, yeah I, I really like the program, though. It was an awesome program, very hands-on. Um, and, yeah, yeah, mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu, like, somewhere in that area. Like, people are already talking to me after the fact. Uh, even even before wrestling was over, they were like, hey, have you ever seen... Uh, Holy UAC? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was like, no, no, I haven't. And then... Uh, I was on Netflix, and I think I checked out, like, Chael Sonnen, 
and uh, Anderson Silva documentary. That yeah, was like yeah, the first yeah. thing I ever saw. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And I was like, dang, Chael's a wrestler just like me. <laughs> and I started, uh, you know, YouTube and all that stuff. And I saw, like, Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber. I was just fascinated the way you just slap on a fucking guillotine like it was nothing. Because <laughs> high-level guillotine. So I was like, I want to get good at that technique. Yeah. So, yeah. So now that you have two people from the same gym competing in your tournament on Friday, are you going to put those two people <laughs> against each other in the first round of that bracket? Uh, I mean, it's a round robin, so... Oh, it is a round robin. It's a round robin. I thought it was a bracket. It doesn't matter. No, yeah. It's, that's it's, cool with me. I'd rather do more matches, the better. Yeah. So that's kind of it's kind of mm -hmm. the... How I say what I, what I call it the JV. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the guy, the guys in it, like the big thing is getting them uh, matches against other blue belts. Yeah. Um, to get them more more exposure, more experience, and having like a a level playing field. So uh, also, yeah, submission only rule set. So yes. It's also mm -hmm. going to be a new thing I think for um, everybody. It's in the tournament, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty open as far as uh, yeah. You guys don't want to go first round? We'll do it. We'll do it third. I don't know. <laughs> oh no, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was single elimination. So that's a crime. Yeah, yeah. So so for the single elimination ones, um, we do, don't put teammates on the same side of the bracket. Okay. So yeah, the only, that's, that's only way they'll meet is in finals. So mm -hmm. that's uh, yeah. We had some teammates the last last tournament. Yeah. It was an eight man. But uh, yeah, this one we're doing round robin. We only have a four, and then we're doing a single match for the ladies. Okay. So. Well, cool. Yeah, actually, yeah, that was just a random question. I guess I could have asked that off cast. Nah, I don't care. So I was just like, I was just wondering, like, am I gonna go up this way? <laughs> That's cool though. I'm actually really excited to grapple Vikram because uh, he tapped me out in my my very first proving grounds. So it was like the same thing with like Tyler. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's gonna be cool to grapple him again. Yeah. Vikram sucks. <laughs> what? Oh wait, wait, wait. I hate him. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing too. That I saw that you guys are training together too. Or that, yeah. He's a dirty cheater. <laughs> Did you grow up with competitors at all, or I mean, come up with competitors? Not grow up. Right. Uh, as in, like that. You know, when you were a white belt, um, to now being purple belt. Um, are you competing with the guys that you started with? No. 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 Cause why is that? Um, just they're not there. I I've been at a couple different gyms. Oh, I see. So um, that's the first thing. It's like goal setting mm -hmm. as far as like, yeah. Uh, originally I was at Gracie Baja. Um, Which is where Anthony just went to, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's always been uh, yeah, finding the gym or the people around me that pushed me at that particular time and mm -hmm. at the time like Gracie Baja was a great place for me so yeah. uh like learning the the Umbas mm -hmm. and uh I trained the majority in the gi as well um mm. yeah uh, one last question I got uh, what does it look like like if you had to pick pick a gym like a home gym right um what would you look for like-minded individuals um you know, with different perspectives, but similar goals. Hmm. I, I say that's the biggest thing. Uh, it's like always hard for me to define 
you know, training partners when it's like, you know, they, it, everyone's got different goals. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, like, if I'm out there, like, training, you know, three times, like, that's not for everybody. Like, yeah. some people got, <laughs> they got shit to do, right? Yeah. They have, uh, like, work and, you know, it's just like, that's that's not their life. And I'm not going to make that their life. Yeah. Um, yeah, more, more times than not. It's a, that's always the biggest thing, and uh, I'm with a pretty good group where I have a c- couple of good training partners that, um, younger, some younger guys too, they, they are in the position where they're training twice a day, um, you know, they can get out there and they can, they can train, you know, you know, one to three times a day, and they're, they're in that position where they have the freedom to do so. Um, I think that's the goal for like most people, or I can't say most people, but a lot of people, is just to be in that position where you can train. Yeah, I would say, yeah, too, it's, it has a lot to do with, uh, like, being younger as far as, like, there's that window of, yeah, this guy isn't a complete fuck-up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell he's, yeah, 30 and lives at home, man. That's rough. Have you seen any good examples of um, a someone who is uh, an athlete or competing where they're sustaining themselves with some, some kind of cool side gig or teaching, for instance? Like, well, like if you're looking to want to do it all the time, like what have you seen others do? So in this area, I don't think there's a ton of individuals like for sponsorships. I I don't think it's a I don't think it's a big thing in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, this like, area is in the Pacific Northwest. In Pacific general? Northwest, yeah. Okay. Um, I would say Washington in general. I, I say there's definitely some athletes sponsored over in Portland, more so. Um, you know, Oregon, not just Portland. Yeah. But, um, like, you go to California, it's it's pretty usual. You get, you know, you know 17, 18, 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds, like, with sponsorships, and they're in the position where they can uh, train full-time. You know, go to New York, same same kind of deal yeah. uh, over there. So, a lot, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of places where you, you know, these bigger cities where you have that opportunity, and I just feel like as far as the the sponsoring scene and right now it's not like a big thing um yeah and like yeah grappling is not all that i do too um i do coaching so i as far as uh like cross country and wrestling so i get like stipends from that um i work with special olympics um I do like personal training. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's slash cool. babysitting yeah. sessions with kids with disabilities. Yeah. So oh, wow. That's, uh, you know, in occasionally I'll pick up construction or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to work for my track coach doing that. Did dick driving, that was terrible. Worst, oh, job, yeah. worst job of my life. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, and, and it's like, you got to pay your dues first. So yeah. You can't, like, expect to be, like, some brand new blue belt hot on the scene and like expect to get like sponsored that's ridiculous yeah like, so is that how those people survive anyways like the people who get to train three times a day or whatever is that like it's all sponsors because like i was talking to will it's like you know uber seems like a good idea yeah. <laughs> no i mean like yeah with the un- younger individuals like a lot of times it's their parents like yeah. let's be real here mm-hmm. That's ridiculous to say. <laughs> no, they can't sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, get a job so I can do jujitsu yeah, all the exactly. time. Yeah, yeah. Work double exactly. shifts. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, like Tim Ferriss. He wrote like four hour work week and stuff, and he has a, a pretty good podcast. But he talks about uh, creating uh, financial muses 
and that's something that I've talked to Alfred about before but small things like whether it's rebranding um, for instance or outsource manufacturing it's like hand hands-off experience but even uh, like you were saying with the uh, coaching I imagine coaching allows you for a pretty flexible schedule and uh, lower time investment as opposed to like a nine-to-five five days a week yeah, 100%. Actually, uh, so I just applied for a job down at, like, the police training center for, like, a, basically being a dummy for their self-defense <laughs> program, which is also very flexible. It's kind of yeah. like a, if you were, like, a substitute teacher, kind of, like, IA substitute thing that, you know, you can fill in your schedule, and it's usually, I think, two to four-hour shifts. Oh, right. Um, oh. It's generally, like, a pretty good wage for the... It's not that much time, but the wage is really mm -hmm. good for the amount, amount of time it is. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always seems to be something that, that I'm reaching for in that sense. Like, even writing is a good example. Whereas, you're getting paid to write articles here and there and slowly build that momentum. And it just gives me the freedom of time, which I think is, in this predicament, it's the most valuable. You know, it's more time to train or run. But, yeah. And so, if anyone would like to check out any of your stuff, where could they find you? Duck underscore jitsu <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right, sounds good. All right, now before we close this out, yeah, let's go for the it. The question everybody wants to know is your real name Gabriel? My real name is Gabriel Austin Daffron. All right. Ooh. Very confused when you were doing the live bar tournament. That's like, wait, is his name Austin or is it Gabriel? I can't find I can't find Austin on Facebook. Or it's, I don't know. He, he messaged me. He's like, what's his name? Gabriel or is it Austin? Are they brothers? Does he have a twin? I was like, dude, I have no idea. I just met this guy today, too. <laughs> yeah, general competition, I usually go by Gabriel, so. Okay. Just because I'm an IBGF, like, that's my name. Like, that's my yeah. name on my ID, so. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's very local. Like, occasionally put Austin. But I usually just put my full name. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got one more question. Is uh, um, For someone who is looking to compete in EBI, um, you know, for however long that takes as a white belt, for instance. Like, what would be the things to set you up for that? I know it's very unique to, to individuals, but is it like competing in bigger and bigger comp competitions? Well, seeing as I've never competed in EBI, <laughs> yeah. um, I wouldn't really know. But theoretically, it would, uh, for one, as a white belt, like, mm -hmm. for one, it's like, you did you got to put in some time, um, you know, having the skill set to do so. Mm -hmm. So you need to build up a skill set where you're able to compete on a high-level competition. If you suck, you'll never be able to compete on whether it be EBI or any type of uh, bigger promotion or even like a s smaller, you know, smaller promotion that's looking out for the athletes or looking out for the jiu-jitsu practitioners, grapplers, whatever, where you can be compensated a little bit. Like, you got to put in a lot of time. Uh, a lot of time and effort before you get to the point where you're able to do so you know and i'm just getting to the point where you know we need some cash tournaments here or there but um yeah it's not it's not overnight like uh i've lost many many times like currently like this year i have a 35 and like nine record um i've lost nine times that's that's quite a bit um when i do when i just started uh high school wrestling I had an 0-19 record. It was a oh, wow. whole year oh. of losing uh, 
before I, I had a win. Um, and yeah, sophomore year, I was like 500, junior year, like a little bit above 500. And uh, my senior year, I finally made state. But so it's, you know, it takes a while to, to do something well. Like it doesn't happen overnight, it's a process. And I feel like, uh, you know, we're in the generation of instant gratification. Yeah. Uh, you know, why why be really good when you could just like take a photo on Instagram and look really good, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get like uh, doesn't matter if you are; it just matters that people think you are. Mm-hmm. Get like a free free T-shirt and sponsored <laughs> or something like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just reach for to be sponsored and leave it at that, as opposed to uh, mastering something, for instance. Yeah. Like pursuing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You see it in hunting a lot, anyways, because there's people who like go out and that's all they worry about is like sponsorships and then they build everything over that even their instagram profiles and it's like you started with the interest in hunting however you you're not even doing that now you're just you know posturing and worrying about how much money you're going to make and you lose the love of the thing and i see that as something that's a potential trap in you know a lot of areas i even see it in running for instance you know a lot of people worrying about the glamour as opposed to the actual like activity yeah, I feel like they get uh, settled pretty quick in jiu-jitsu. Like, mm-hmm. uh, that's why I love nogi, too, because we don't have the belts. It's like, all right, you're a black belt? Show me. Yeah. All right, you're, you know, you're so-and-so? Yeah, like, show me. It's, it's like the bullshit gets settled. Like, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, upper class, middle class, lower class, ethnicity. Like, it's all... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all real when it gets on the mats. Not say we don't we don't go there and kill each other every day, and it's like life or death. But just like it gets settled pretty quick. Like yeah. there's there's not too much BS as far as like all right, I'm a black belt. All right, dude, let's let's roll. I don't care you're a black belt. Um, yeah. yeah, that's why. Yeah, the, the nogi. I don't really not a huge fan of the belt lines. It's, you know, it's traditional. It's kind of like hazing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my opinion, though. So yeah, I, I like the um, the influence that athletics have had on my character. That is for sure, and, and very much so uh, in the social scenario with grappling, because it's like you know I come here and whether it's you doubt yourself or you know you, you indulge in ego and the, the opposite extreme and you're overconfident, you, you immediately are confronted with reality. Yeah. There's you're not much escaping that. Like as soon as you think you're good, you roll with someone who's better than you. Mm-hmm. When you have to deal with that, because if you don't, it's, it becomes obvious, and you become uh, punished for it in the sense of your losses. Yeah. Or I, for most people, I would imagine. Yeah, if you're the best guy in your room, like just find another room. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. yeah. <laughs> but, exactly, man. It's no, like you need, you need to you need to always like pushing yourself, to looking to improve, mm-hmm. and like if you're like hiding and like. You know, rolling with only certain people, and you're not putting yourself out there to like, you know, get exposed and like to improve from it, whether it be competition or whether it be just, you know, rolling rolling at your gym. If you think you're the biggest fast guy, like that's why I think like cross training is so important. It's that's like, exactly what I was about to ask you: is do you feel cross training is important? Which you just answered. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, you know, you're the baddest dude in uh, Burlington, man. Then you go see if you're the baddest dude in Bellingham. Mm. Well, if you're the baddest dude in uh, Burlingham and Bellingham, why don't you go to Seattle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, you're not. We, we, just, be we just make a pilgrimage. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> baddest dude in Burlington, Bellingham, and Seattle? Let's go to Portland, man. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how they're over here. 
and then you're like, oh my goodness, I'm still the best, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Go to like New York or California and see how that goes. So yeah. just always like uh, th that's something I see a lot too. Like uh, like this area doesn't have a lot of uh, competitors that compete on like the the bigger the bigger tournaments, whether it be the AGCC trials, mm -hmm. or the bigger IBGF events, like Pan and no, they, they actually they have a lot of like IBJF like masters or stuff like that yeah. um you know which is isn't the same like it's just like you know there's a difference between a 64 man bracket and like a five person bracket right that's yeah. ridiculous mm -hmm. to say they're the same thing um yeah because that, that was gonna be my question because like up here sometimes it can be a little smothering because if you have like your gym like you can be a two-stripe blue belt and be like the second to the highest rank in your gym not saying that ranks always matter but then it's like all the other gyms that are around are affiliated in some way with your gym. So like my coach, you know, knows Hunter, knows Landon, like trained under Landon, knows Charlie and Everett, uh, knows the coaches out in there. And it's like, but I feel like down in Seattle where you guys are like talking to Anthony, he's like, oh yeah, I train at three different gyms a week. Or, you know, he did, I don't know if he does anymore, but like train at three different gyms a week and it's like, getting all those different looks at all those different people like we don't get that up here that often we usually have our like 10 guys that we grapple with a week and then that's the same 10 people and then as you're ranking up they're ranking up too so it's like yeah it's hard to get that adversity it's important to have a solid crew of training partners yeah the guys when you're injured when you're working new skills they don't try to kill you like uh you know I have a training partner. He sucks at guard passing, but he's working to improve his guard passing and, like, so say, holding side control and, you know, creating a wedge, getting a good cross face grip, and just taking their soul yeah. from, like, a neon belly or something like that. He's working control. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, you know, he's not currently great at guard passing. Do I, A, go F that, leg lock him, or just. Yeah dismantle them or something like that or B like definitely guys who give me a lot of their time like you know helping those guys out helping them improve is like a big part of it like yeah. it's it's rewarding to you know go out there and compete and do well but it's also rewarding to see like people you're training with constantly like improving as well yeah um, so that's important that you have a solid crew of people you can trust and yeah you're, you're able to uh yeah, when you're injured, all that, all that bad stuff. When that that happens, you're still able to be consistent and be on the mats. Right. Instead of take time off because like, oh, I don't know if uh, so and so is gonna rip my knee. <laughs> just yeah, my meniscus is just yeah. catching. Like, I don't know if they're gonna armbar me or something like that yeah. because uh, that's a real problem. And then after you have a, you know, I feel like a consistent crew of guys. They're willing, you know, like-minded individuals to like improve. It's just then it'll be getting out there, getting getting these different looks. Right. Um, you know, just trying to constantly improve is the the big thing, and uh, be willing to ask, like, what could I be doing better? Like yeah. reflecting on what you're you're doing. I just see a lot of people they just go in the gym, spar call it a day yeah and they go in the gym their class is organized they call it a day yeah um where they, they're just not putting as much time into like taking notes like the mental side like watching film taking notes like small stuff like that goes a long way in improvements and that's why you see like blue belts who've been training 10 years to you know and then you see 
someone has been training for like a year and you know they're relatively the same yeah like there's plenty of people that you know especially right now see a lot of people with potential is just like I'm, dude I was rolling with them like how long have you been training and he's like six months yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was like you're the best six months roller that I've ever seen in the world yeah so uh, yeah right. it's uh, a lot of potential for the area to grow yeah. and improve which uh, I'm happy to be glad to see it happen so right on yeah absolutely me too is there anywhere that people can find you Alfred um, at Packard Technical Center, I'll be cooking lunch from <laughs> 11 to 1 and breakfast from 6.30 to 9.30. Ooh, we should hook you up on Uber Eats so they can go there and pick this lunch <laughs> up. So you need a key card to get into the building. Oh. Yeah. We got to do some Mission Impossible stuff. You copying me? I'm just kidding. Uh, hide in the back of one of the trucks that you're driving. Oh, yeah. I'll work on getting a little more flexible for that. <laughs> do you do any yoga for uh, jiu-jitsu or no? I do a lot of stretching, yes. A lot of stretching, uh, yeah after and before training sessions once a week uh i was doing gymnastics mm -hmm. uh three hour session and i was it'd be on my lighter days when i was like um teaching or something like that where it's like i can generally control it'd be on like my rest day basically mm -hmm. yeah. where like i control like at what intensity i'm going and then i would do like the the stretching session mm -hmm. with the yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Like, stretched out. Yeah, it makes a big difference, though. I feel like in injury prevention mm -hmm. and just being able to move your body. Yeah. If you're able to move your body, you're going to be um, better at moving someone else's body. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like a lot of people are just, like, too rigid. It's like, dude, mm -hmm. you can't even can't even move your body. How do you expect to, like, control someone else? Yeah. Exactly. You have a lot more body awareness. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Once again, if you'd like to follow Austin or Alfred on social media, you can find the link to their accounts in the show notes. Um, and if you'd like to support the show, go and pick up a flat bill on the store. You can find it on becominghumanpodcast.com. It'll hide your tinfoil hat. It'll keep your head nice and cool in these hot days. And if you like the show, please rate, review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you happen to listen to it, and share it with your friends. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great week.